Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, I suppose it's only right that when facing the most academic of academic institutions, Alabama put on a pretty comprehensive case study, huh? Man, this you, you know this is going to go down as probably one of my favorite Alabama games in quite some time. Maybe the uh, 59 to nothing slacking uh, that Alabama gave Texas A&M would rank up there as well. But this is obviously the uh, Alabama football that I like to watch. And, uh, you know, this is this is a game that will stay on the DVR for quite some time. Yeah, this is one of those games, you know, Tom, we, you know, we, we kind of break down the game and things, opportunities for improvement and things we like and things we didn't like. And, and I don't know that I have seen, and you know, even including that game uh, against A&M, and certainly that was a lot of fun. This was as most this this may have been as thorough a beating as as I ever remember. I mean, even that A&M you know game, you know, there were a couple of pick sixes, a lot of sort of a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, A&M drove. I think they even got inside the uh, you know inside the red zone. Vanderbilt, nothing even approximated that they were just beat up and down the field all day long. They were man, but you know, it, a lot of it speaks to, you know, just, it was the perfect type of team to match up with Alabama right now on the schedule. They try to run a lot of two tight end and three tight end sets with one wide receiver, you know, out wide. And they, they tried to, you know, just establish the run and they continue to try to establish the run most of the game you know, with very little success. And they they kept putting themselves in third and long. You know, they didn't really seem to try to vary their game plan in the second half from from what had not been working in the first half. And uh, they really just kind of fed into our hands. Yeah, you know, if we've learned one thing, right, you don't out-pro style the pro stylings of Nick Saban. No, you don't, man. And, you know, for them to have such little time of possession – um, and for their defense to have been on the field as long as it had, I expected them to come out in the second half and 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 just try to to do some misdirection, 
uh, to maybe try some more screens, uh, to try some gimmick plays, to try something uh, just to mix it up. And I was surprised they they stayed with the same theme as the first half. Almost, you know, almost had the same exact uh, result from a point standpoint in the second half. Right, right. Well, jump me in the offense, and uh, what stood out to you? You know, first of all, uh, I like the fact that Jalen Hurts only had nine carries. Um, you know, I I like the fact that it. I like the fact that we established the run early on. Uh, I know that doesn't surprise you. Um, I like that you know we we kind of got back to power football. And obviously, it's just one game. We'll see how this how they build on this. Um, but you know, I think in the past couple of years, Alabama has gotten away with their identity or gotten away from their identity, and and you know the whole take the air out of the ball, and you know Derrick Henry in that famous LSU game when you know he set himself up for the Heisman, you know he sat there and you know took the air out of the ball in the fourth quarter, the same way Mark Ingram had done, and. For the last couple of years, you know, last year and beginning of this year, you know, that's not something that we're we're focusing on. And I, I, I hope that we see more of this with this offensive coordinator because, you know, you've got a, a thoroughbred, uh, you know, a full stable of running backs. Uh, you're blessed to have them. And it takes pressure off of Jalen Hurts, takes pressure off of his decision making. And uh, I just hope we see more of this. Yeah, the power running – was was a treat right i mean we've seen we've seen it sort of episodically in in the past but for to to go out all day long and let that be the primary weapon uh you know even distributing uh, across a number of ball carriers but let the offensive line and the running backs do the heavy lifting that was a lot of fun and and, and i want to go back and sort of get your read on you know jalen's performance as, as a whole you know he was nine of 17 but i think there were three drops that that uh, were not his fault at all. And I think a couple of those would have gone for touchdowns. And he did have nine carries as opposed to 19, uh, which was good. We let the running backs establish the run, which is certainly something that that you've been calling for and, and, and I agree with. I think, and I want to get your read on this, of the nine carries, it seemed that most of the carries, there may have been one or two where he was, it was a designed run and he was the primary ball carrier but it seemed of of the carries most of them him running the ball was secondary and he wasn't necessarily trying to make a big play but just move the chains he seemed very intentional in his running it seemed to be scaled back a little bit well I think the focus of this game was they wanted to send a message to the SEC and specifically to Vandy and they, you know, they wanted to to make sure Vandy knew where they were in the SEC and where Alabama was. And um, this was power football. And I think the, you know, with the sixty six carries, nine of which were Jalen, the the focus was we are going to run the ball early and often, but Jalen's not going to be a part of that. And so you are correct. There was only like two times I saw where he called his own number. The other times were just, you know, he had to make a play. And so I want him to do that in the LSU-Tennessee type of ball games right. um, is what I want to see. This was a game where he didn't have to, you know, attempt a lot of passes, right? He dropped back 17 times. There was one play uh, where he eluded pressure, uh, showed his athleticism, and, um, you know, 
hit Calvin Ridley, you know, for a big pass. And uh, it was a nice play. There was another time where he had two guys open for, you know, either guy would have probably scored a touchdown, either either Foster uh, or um, or uh, Ruggs. And uh, in both situations, you know, he – well, he threw it to Foster, but unfortunately, you know, he um, – you know, he just he just didn't he did he didn't lead him kind of where he should with the ball. You right. know, it just the ball just didn't it just wasn't a great pass. Um, but you know, he had a couple of guys that were open there. And um so it was a perfect game for Jalen. He didn't have to do a whole lot. Um it, the game wasn't on him, the focus wasn't on him. Um, he just was able to work on kind of improving as a quarterback. Uh, I did notice that they uh, – I want to get your take on this. I, I meant to count how many times he was under center, uh, and, I, and I was not able to. Uh, I was curious out of the, you know, the vast number of, of plays how many times he actually lined up under, under center. Uh, many times in the running game, he was in the pistol, and they did the pistol you know, several times. What, what is your take on did, – did you notice that there was more of a uh, – that the pistol was kind of the predominant formation uh for where you know where Jalen was positioned yeah you know he, he didn't go quite under center you know quite as often but yeah I think the pistol is a good a, a good hybrid right you can still get some some downhill running with uh, the running back not being you know off to the side of the of the quarterback or, or that much further so I think that's a good um I think that's a good position for him I think that's a good alignment I chalk this up as uh, and I'm going to keep beating this drum, you know, in, until it's no longer true. But I think every week we see a little bit of development. It's not overnight and it's not turned to the end of the book. But, you know, every week is is turn the page and we see a little bit of of progress in Jalen's development. And, and you know, this one, you know, the numbers aren't aren't glossy. They could have been, you know, again, you complete a couple of those passes and they were drops. I don't think they were all bad passes, uh, a couple of drops. And, uh, you know, you put a couple of uh, touchdowns on there under his ledger and, and his numbers do start to look good. But just the restraint that he showed, I think, is part of his matur- uh, maturation process. So I think he continues to develop and, and that's exciting. And it's easy for him to do that when you've got a running game that cranks out almost 500 yards. No, it is. Um, what did you think of uh, the offensive line play? I kind of felt like in this game, uh, the guy that made the biggest improvement, you know, coach always talks about the improvement from week one to week two. And this obviously was, you know, just a week delayed, but I I really think Lester Cotton uh, caught my eye the most uh, on numerous plays, both, both he and Jonah Williams. And I'll, I'll get to Jonah in a minute, but, but I really feel like there was a lot of pulling by both Lester and Ross, there was a lot more of the misdirection. They were using uh, Irvin Smith uh, a lot more like they did O.J. Howard last year. But but Lester made a, a few key seal blocks where he showed some good athleticism to, to get around the left edge and, you know, free up some holes. And I, I thought he had a I thought he had a really good day. Yeah, it's it's hard to find a lineman that didn't have a good day. Uh, and, and I wonder if they didn't all have their best day. And that's really good to see, uh, you know, and, I, you know, you take it for what it is, you know, Vanderbilt, but it's good to see the line gel. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It's good to see them gel and come together. Uh, we've played, you know, other teams, Fresno and 
Colorado State, and the line hasn't looked as good uh, as they did. And 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 I and I do think Vanderbilt's probably better than those other two teams. So I think there is some progress, some development there, and I look forward to the line building on that. But uh, but yeah, I agree. I think I think Lester had a really good day. I think Bozeman had a really good day. Uh, you know, you call on Ross. I think he had a good day. I think especially the interior line. But I think across the board, they had uh, they had a uh, they had an outstanding performance. Well, I will tell you the alignment that that you know Vandy obviously runs a four three, but the alignment that they consistently went to is they would have one linebacker in the middle, and they would bring a line an outside linebacker down to the line of scrimmage like Alabama does some, and they would really show more of a four three look, mm-hmm. you know, with their formation. But the two linebackers would be kind of shading, you know, outside of the defensive ends. And so their alignment made it very easy with the play calling that we were doing, that we were doing the same plays over and over again, is the combo blocks were kind of working like the best you could draw them up on a whiteboard. You know, having played offensive line and and not being blessed to play at the college level, but you know, we would do, you know, we'd, we'd draw these up on the board where, you know, the guard and the tackle would go and combo block on the on the down lineman and then somebody would peel off over to the linebacker. And they they stayed in the same formation the entire game. And there were numerous times, numerous times, that either the tackles or the guards or Bozeman, you know, they, they just were able to help each other at the point of attack and then easily peel off to the next level before those guys reacted to go and fill the gap. I mean, like, I mean, you can't draw it up any better. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not, there's a combination of good play by the offensive line and maybe just not good play by Vandy's defense, but it, it almost looked too good to be true at how easy right. the combo blocks were working uh, for this running game. Yeah, I mean, everything was working, right? You know, almost 43 minutes time of possession. Uh, you know, there was over 500 yards rushing, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it went under 500 when we were taking the knee at the end of the game, trying not to, uh, trying not to score again. But, you know, I like the distribution of the offense. There were 10 receivers. You know, we've kind of broken this down. Uh, I, I like what we're seeing under uh, under Dable. Ten receivers, you know, catching balls. That's a really good distribution. There were three tight ends, uh, three uh, running backs that caught the ball. Uh, I know there were five or six, uh, I think six running backs that, that carried the ball. Two quarterbacks uh, ran the ball. God bless. I still hate the, fr- the end around with a franchise receiver. You have to count Calvin getting a carry, but, man, I hate that. Well, fortunately, we we're not seeing these jet sweeps as much, right? Right. We're not we're not seeing this as, as much at all. And I, I think the use of Irvin Smith and the comfort level they're currently showing with him, it's still early. But having lost OJ Howard, you know, Irvin's listed as six four, two thirty five, and and you know, he he looks bigger than that on the field. He looks bigger right. than two thirty five. And um, OJ, he is not size wise. Uh, and he's only a redshirt freshman, but him and Hale, you know, got a lot of run in there, and and uh, you know, hopefully these guys stay healthy because we were using both of them in there with the five linemen in this running game with you know two split wide receivers, and we were having a lot of success with this, and um, there was a lot of 
you know, a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage by both Hale and Irvin before the snap on numerous occasions. And Irvin was lining up in the H-back position, you know, behind both tackles, you know, um, split out, you know, shading outside the tackles so that he could get the right angle to kick out on the other side on a, on a trap play. I was just really impressed with, with how well he did too. I, I think, you know, take nothing away from everybody. Uh, but I think him and Lester Cotton, both of them, um, were were key uh, in in this in this line looking and gelling like it did. Right, right. You talk about some of the different formations. Uh, you know, we saw Deron Payne uh, just lay a, a monster bla- uh, block. He came in as a as a fullback uh, in a goal line situation. Look forward to seeing more and more of that. But you know, he he made a pretty significant uh, hole in the. Um, uh, you know, in the defense to allow for the for the touchdown, and then uh, we rolled out a formation where we brought in uh, a sixth uh, a sixth lineman. Jedrick Wills came in and uh, really provided uh, some beef. Um, and uh, I, I don't recall that necessarily going for big gains, but it's neat to see uh, you know that that type of diversification. Uh, speaking of Jedrick and and in uh, the freshman, there was a little bit of a, a, a coming out party, and I know the CBS crew seemed to have a good time. Uh, a lot of fun talking about, you know, here a freshman, there a freshman everywhere, a five-star freshman uh, for Alabama, and and, uh, and they did not disappoint in terms of putting up plays. I know there's a, a couple that we probably want to talk about. Uh, what do you think about uh, Tua's play? You know, um, he obviously built on what he had done in the A-Day game, and, you know, when I, when I talked early on about how this is going to stay on the DVR for a while, you know, how many times over the years, um, including last year, when, quite frankly, the backups didn't get the run that the backups needed. I know Jalen was a new starter, but the, the backups needed to get more work last year than they did. And and we've talked about this in years past. Um, for him to come in as early as he did and play and get to play as much as he did, he got to play two two series with the, with the first-string offensive line uh, before going to the backups. Um, but you know, he's going to be a special player. And, um, I liked Gary Danielson's assessment. You know, he talked about how, how effortly or how effortlessly, uh, Jalen, you know, seems to run the ball. And he was like, you know, Tua throws the ball that way. Yes. And uh, I wish I could, you know, I don't want to steal what Gary said, but I wish we could put the, the two of them together. Yes. Because, yes. Oh my gosh. It would be Cam Newton part two. Right. Well, it would be better than that because. Oh my I, gosh. I think the I think the upside on the passing is is better and 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 they had a lot of fun with that. The the TV crew did uh, because you know and and I kind of like what they settled on. Jalen was like running on air. He so effortlessly uh, is able to maneuver and and it's, it appears that he just never breaks a sweat. And then uh, and and then Tua was was that effortless in the passing and, and certainly certainly the the big touchdown uh to Devonte was um and I hate to compare to to Manzel for a lot of reasons but it was very sort of Manzel like it all you know sort of almost all of his elusiveness happened in a phone booth you know he had someone at his feet and so all he all he wanted to do sort of one track mind all he wanted to do is kind of spin out of it and then reset his feet and he did that within just a very small area, and then he knew where he wanted to go the ball. He knew, you know, what he he just needed. Let me get my feet clean, and I can throw the ball. And then he did, and that's what he did. 
but he that, had the confidence. Yes. Because he knows I have a cannon for an arm and I can launch it. Yeah. Right? And I can still get it there. I just need, give me just a second to get my feet. And, and, and without even, without even really looking at the receiver, he knew where he was going to be. And he set his feet, looked up through the ball, all sort of in one motion. He didn't have to think about it. He already knew what he was going to do. He just had to get his feet right. And, and I mean, he was literally, you know, you know, walking and chewing gum, right? He was doing two things at once, knowing that as soon as I get my feet set, I'm going to chunk this ball and, and, and it's going to hit the receiver. That was a thing of beauty. Well, and let's be, you know, we can't understate this, right? The, the composure that he showed on that play, okay? I don't think Jalen would have made that play because Jalen wouldn't have the confidence in his arm that Tua has in his arm, okay? Right. To be fair, Jalen would have just scrambled out of trouble, right, with his feet, whereas Tua felt comfortable he could use his arm. And it is interesting to me that there are quarterbacks that have come through this program that Saban has chewed out for, you know, not protecting the ball and managing the game and, you know, being careful and making good decisions and throwing the ball away. And it was a great play, but, you know, is there some other Bama quarterbacks that have come in this program in years past under Saban that would have got away with making that play or even attempting that play? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's – I mean – I mean, it was a great play, but, but you know, I don't know that some other quarterbacks could have got away with even trying that play. Well, I you know, there's a certain I, – I think this kid is, is – I think he's a superior quarterback to a lot of what – Most of them, yes. Yeah. And yes. so, and, and, you know, I'll say this, right. Jalen probably would have spun out taken off and run for 30 yards. And, and it's hard to be disappointed at that. Tua stayed in the pocket, set his feet and just has just apparently a gifted arm and, and was able to throw that for a touchdown. Uh, we would have had guys that maybe would have run and, and, and stumbled and gotten sacked or, or, you know, thrown the ball away and, you know, and so there's a range of things that are acceptable and there's a range of things that are unacceptable. And then there's just sort of the miraculous uh, outcome Tua certainly getting the touchdown is miraculous, you know, spinning out of that and running for 20 or 30 yards. That's a big play, too. And so I think we've got two guys that can turn something like that into a big play. And we've had quarterbacks in, in the past that have been very successful. Also, I'll say a McCarron and, and a McElroy, two very successful quarterbacks. I don't know what they would have done in that situation. Maybe just chucked it away. Maybe just taken the sack and lived to play. You know, lived to fight another day. I think we would have gotten that out of those two guys, and and those were very talented quarterbacks. Oh no, absolutely. And you know, I will say to be to be fair to Tua is in the game last week. You know, he had an opportunity. He was trying to to make something with a play, and the play wasn't there. So he just ate it and took a sack. You see what I'm saying? Right. And so, um, you know, it is uh, it is still very uh, it is still very early, but you know the the fact that he came to Alabama when he could have gone to yes. a lot of other schools, and the name escapes me of the defensive lineman that went to Kentucky the very last minute when we had the defensive line of the of the century being recruited to Alabama. Remember who I'm talking about? I know exactly the names escapes me, but yeah, I, I yeah, but, but I at the very about. last minute, right? A a homegrown guy said, "I'm not going there because 
I'm not going to be the guy. So, you know, I'm going to go to Kentucky and I'm going to be the guy at Kentucky. And it worked out for him because he went on to play in the NFL. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people can say that. Right. But for this guy to sit there and say that, you know, Dwayne Robertson, yes. I had to find his name. It was bugging uh, me. It was killing me. Yeah. So, so for this guy to come to Alabama, knowing that Jalen Hurts could be there uh, three, two or three more years, also speaks something about his moxie, man. And, um, you know, for Alabama fans, uh, seeing what they saw and how he managed the offense and, and some plays he made, uh, some throws he made across the middle, man, yeah, it, it's, it's the first time that I can remember, you know, just having a backup quarterback seize his opportunities that early and, and make something out of them like that. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that, that's pretty impressive for a true freshman. Let, let me ask you this, and, and, and this is pure speculation. Do you think that there is some sort of, and, and it's not going to happen this week, and, and it would be later this season, you know, maybe even next season, but do you think we get into some sort of two-quarterback platoon situation? I mean, do you think that is, is, is real? Well, I should have said this before this week's game because now people are going to call uh, BS on it. But at the beginning of the season, I felt like Tua would beat out Jalen next year. I didn't think he would beat him out this year, but I did think he would beat Jalen out for the starting quarterback a year from now. Mm -hmm. um, and Jalen has obviously, you know, there's a lot of good things that he does. Um, and it's a very unique situation with these two kids both being here. Right. Um, and Saban is Saban is known for, you know, blazing a course, right? And and taking, you know, doing things that other people don't do. And, you know, Saban has a way of keeping everybody happy. And so I guess that's a long-winded way of saying that if these two guys stay healthy, I could see them trying something like that to keep them both happy. Uh, and both staying at this program, right? It's a rich man's problem, right? Well, it's it, you know, it's uh, the best analogy I can give very quickly. The first thing that pops in my head is Kobe and Shaq, right? Had had Kobe and Shaq stayed at the Lakers, they would have won several more titles together. But one of them had, you know, uh, yeah. Shaq had to leave and go to Miami. Well, these two guys have are Tua has shown a couple flashes that how many how many true freshmen have we seen make a play like he made in that game? And then, obviously, what Jalen was able to do as a true freshman, this might be the two that this that what these two quarterbacks have on our roster right now might be as a you know as a combination uh, as far as you know different talents that they can that they can bring to the field. It might be you know it's still early in the season, but sure. this might be something that we haven't seen at this Alabama program before. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to to see how it it unfolds. Um, and, and I think there's wrinkles to this that, that uh, I, you know, I would even be afraid to, to think about, but, you know, packages where they're both on the field and, and just almost stupid sounding stuff. I just, I, I just, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because there's, you know, they're, they're both too talented to keep off the field. Yes, this is true. This is true. What did you, what did you think about, 
you know, this is obviously something different too that, you know, that we wouldn't have seen in years past. But when Tua came in, you know, at one point when when three freshman wide receivers were lined up out there, you know, that was pretty sweet, man. I mean, literally when when Judy and Devonta and, and Ruggs was out there all on the same play with Tua and then, you know, Najee Harris was in the backfield, I mean – no wonder Gary was talking about it. I mean, think about it, man. That's just like, hey, let me just showcase what I have. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's got to be nightmares for the rest of the SEC. Like, you know, there, there's no – you know, because everyone everyone wants to predict, right? And and eventually someone will be right. You know, it's the end of the era. It's the end of the era. And if you say it enough times, you know, a stopped clock is right twice a day, right? And so if you say it enough times, one time you'll get to be right. Um you just look like an idiot for, you know, a decade. And so you look at that and you say, you know what? I can put the the era is over. I can put that on ice for a couple of years because this is just a medley of of five stars and and they and they keep running them at you. And and that's even before, you know, we took off three red shirts and I wanted to talk to you about that. But you know, that's before Brian Robinson, you know, did what he did. And he looked every bit as talented as any running back on the field. And you know, Major Tennyson gets his uh, first uh, first reception, and you know Kedrick James is is in there at the at the tight end spot blocking. So, what do you think about not only just the you know the abundance of of the youth out there, but uh, you know let's add more to the mix. We took off three red shirts on uh, on Saturday, but I don't. But now, see, I understand Saban says, you know, if you're talented, you're going to play, right? And if you earn playing time, you're going to play. I get all that. And obviously, I'm not questioning Saban because he's Saban. But you and I have talked about spreading out, you know, spreading out the talent and, you know, trying to, you know, layer in, you know, different, you know, eligibilities at different times. I don't get, I don't get bringing in Robinson. And, you know, that's not, that's why I'm not the head coach at Alabama. But I I don't understand when you have Ronnie Clark having, you know, you know, dealt with the injuries that Ronnie has dealt with and he's currently healthy mm-hmm. and you can bring him in after you've already brought in, I guess you can bring in Ronnie after you've already brought in four other tailbacks. I, I don't, I mean, I don't see why you, you pulled his red shirt for five carries. I, I don't see why you had to get a six tailback in the game. Yeah. That one surprises me the most, you know, we, we lost, um, you know, we lost Forrest all last week, and so I'm not surprised that, you know, we're going to, you know, bring in another tight end and try to get him some reps. And, and then with the fact that we brought in two, you know, we're trying to we're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be the guy. And so I, I understand that. The only the only thought I have on on Robinson is that he's just that good. And, and he certainly looked it. He looked every bit as good as Najee. Uh, and he looked every bit as good as, you know, any of the other running backs. He just, you know, didn't get as many carries. But, you know, he looked like a guy that if you were intent on giving him 20 carries, he would have had a big day. He looks like a guy that could easily be a starting running back for a lot of other SEC schools. A lot of other teams, right? And, and you know, you got Jacobs, you know, looking. And, and again, I think he was still on a little bit of a pitch count. He's had a hamstring, and so you don't want to – you know, rush that, but, you know, he looks like a guy that, that could, that could play for anybody. And so, you know, you might have five running backs, Tommy, that, that, 
you know, they could be five, they could be starters for five different teams. Well, and Saban's been known for Saban's been known, you know, in having a committee of running backs over the years. And we've chronicled that even here at Alabama. Um, but you know, and, and I, I, I get wanting to keep them all happy. Right. And, you know, the only thing I can think about with Robinson, the only thing I can think about is he's just planning for what if Damian and Bo both leave. I think you got to plan for what if they both leave and then you got to think. I think, you know, the level at which we're trying to recruit running backs, you almost have to, you know, for planning purposes, you almost have to plan that they're only going to be there for three years. And so – you know, you, you say, well, I've got two that are going to be are that are going to be out. And and so I don't want him not to have experience next year. And then it becomes almost a self-fulfilling thing with the next five star or the next two or three five stars that we're going to recruit next year. Hey, look, we're going to play you. And it doesn't matter how many guys are in front of you. You're going to get to play. And, and look, we'll show you. Uh, oh, and so from, I'm sorry to jump in from a recruit standpoint. The fact that him and Najee played in this ball game, with 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 Bo and Damian had each already scored two touchdowns, mm-hmm. that was a very nice marketing job by Coach Saban. Yes, absolutely, and and I and I still stand by the fact that if he's as good as he looked, then you have to wonder if he's only going to be a three year player, anyways. And so then you start to think, sort of a la Marlon Humphrey. You know, he was here three years, played two. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, oh, well, gosh. You might, well, you might as well get some that, youth out of him. Yeah, yeah, that red shirt wasn't worth a whole lot. And could that have done something on special teams or could that have rotated in somewhere? You know, one thing I'll, I'll say this about, uh, you know, Robinson is now that he's officially uh, burned the red shirt, that does open up the opportunity for him to play on teams. And, you know, who knows, you know, he may be, uh, you know, he may be a maven on um, – you know, special teams and he may block a kick and, you know, who knows what he's going to do, you know, sort of given the opportunity, but clearly he has some athleticism. And so, you know, check back in three or four weeks, if he's laid someone out on a, on a punt return and, and blocked a kick, you're going to say, well, I'm glad we took the red shirt off. Just real quick, you know, Damian Harris blocked that punt already this season, right? Right. right. Well, to your point, you don't really want Damian out there blocking a punt, right? If you don't have to, So you can put Robinson out there because you've burned his red shirt and not put Damian out there. That's probably a better play. Yeah, I think that's a better play. Well, uh, give me your mini game ball on offense. Mm. Um, You know, this one's going to surprise you, but obviously there was a lot of good plays by a lot of good guys. Uh, We we didn't even talk about Najee Harris, you know, hurdling, you know, the guy. Um, not to mention, you know, putting his shoulder down and, and running over several people. And I even like the play of, of some of the backup offensive linemen, you know, when, when they got to play as well. Um, but I am sarcastically going to give my mini game ball to Gary Danielson. <laughs> because you for that son of a gun. You invent new ways for to For that son of a gun early in the second half, to sit there when they scored their first touchdown to go up 38 to nothing. And when he said, this smells eerie similar to a couple years ago when Alabama beat Texas A&M 59 to nothing, Mm -hmm. for that man to call the score 
a few minutes into the second half? Are you kidding me? He's got he deserves a mini game ball. That was awesome, dude. He called it. He called never, it to the penny. You never you never cease to amaze me. That was awesome. Clearly not mini game ball material, but as I look at my notes, I I feel terrible if we just don't say this out loud. Damian had 12 carries for 151 yards and three touchdowns. That's like a high school, man. That's that's like that's like the stud high school playing the Podunk high school. That's 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 video game numbers. Oh, well, the fact that, you know, it is you know, it was great distribution, right? Damian 12 carries, Bo 11, Najee 10, you know, Ronnie Clark 10. Yeah. I mean, it's like they, I mean, it's almost like they, you know, they they tried to they they put pencil to paper here, right? Cuz Robinson yep. and Jacobs each got 4 and 5. I mean, it was like I mean, I mean, literally, as I sit here and look at the stat sheet and I see 66 carries for 496 yards, we we could go back and look and might we might never see that stat. Right. For as long as we've been watching Alabama football. Yep. Hey, I'm giving my mini game ball. Um, and this is layered. Uh, I'm giving my mini. Of course mini- it is. Of course it is. Because I mold and craft. These are handcrafted mini game balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who do you give it to? I'm giving it to Ronnie Clark. Uh, you know, you as you as you mentioned, he's he's had a number of injuries in his career. Really, really sort of sidetracked uh, what he potentially could have become. But he had 10 carries for 48 yards. Uh, you know, at at a time when we were literally just trying to run out the clock and trying not to score. And and so not only you know, hats off to Ronnie for getting an opportunity, getting, getting some good run in there, 10 carries. That's, that's, that's a meaty workload, right? You talked about the distribution, but at the end of the game, <clears throat> when, when Saban's trying every, I mean, he puts a guy out there who's broken two Achilles. I mean, he's clearly, he's not trying to score and, and, and doesn't want to, you know, put on uh, another score and, and Ronnie's having success and he's running the ball. And if you gave him another carry or two, he would have scored a touchdown and we started taking a knee, and and Saban was on the sidelines with with some of the players, and they were laughing and cutting up, and they were trying to sort of goad Saban into, you know, please give Ronnie a touchdown, give Ronnie a touchdown. All the running backs, yeah, and, and yeah, and Saban was just shaking his head and laughing and grinning, and 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 and, and, and you know, and you know, Ronnie would love to have the touchdown and, and have that ball, but there's there's a moment there where you think. That all of his, you know, running mates are cheering for him, want him, want him to score a touchdown. And Saban's like, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. But he's grinning, he's laughing, and just all of that was just really fun to see. No, it was. And you know, on that third and eight play at the twenty-two, you know, on his tenth carry, when when he just lost his balance and and you know fell there and and went down at the three, you know, that was a nineteen-yard carry. And I so wish he would have got in right there. And you know, Saban you know, thinking third and eight. I mean, that's his 10th carry to your point. He's carried the ball nine times previously on this drive that was a 15-play drive. And you know Saban's thinking third and eight, okay, I got it here. You know, first and 10, we then had second and nine, now third and eight. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be able to take a knee and be done here. And then when he got that first down to the three, it scared the shit out of Saban. Yes. And that's when he was like, okay, that's it, stop, done. Right. But yes, I wish Ronnie would have got him a touchdown there. He, I, I really, I really wish he'd have got him one. Yeah, me too, me too. But, I, but that, but it was, it was almost a priceless moment. <clears throat> you, you know, you'd rather have the touchdown, 
but there's something priceless about that moment too. But uh, oh yeah, no offense to Vandy, but I would have liked to have seen the final score sixty-six to nothing. Oh, that would have been sweet. I, I'm with you. They were coming up with inventive ways not to not to score. No, this is true. Well, flip the field to to defense for me. Um, you know, I've got several things I want to mention here, but but you started off here. What what's your What's your thought about the about the scheme or the personnel or or what what's your what's your what's your thoughts about that side of the ball? Yeah, I think uh, you know it's interesting. We didn't play a whole lot of defense to to feel like we have a whole lot to talk about necessarily. But you know the biggest thing that that jumped out to me and 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 I think it brought um, energy to the team uh, as well as uh, an influx of of talent and depth. But getting the three linebackers back. Um, you know, Evans, Jennings and, and Moses, it was good getting them both back. And and um, I, I I think that gives us sort of a, a swell of talent, not only on defense, but on that ripples through special teams as, as well. And and we didn't get any sacks, but we we got good pressure and impact of the quarterback. And I think that's a function of having these guys back. No, absolutely. And, um, you know, before I, before I forget on the offensive side of the ball, there was a couple times where, you know, we had like third and threes inside their 10 yard line and Vandy would jump off sides or something and give us a, a fresh set of downs and give us a first and goal. And, you know, they were just kicking them. They were just shooting themselves in the foot on both sides of the ball. And you can't do that against teams like this. And, you know, on, from a defensive standpoint, as I talked about earlier, you know, they just kept lining up in the same formations with one wide out, one you know, one wide receiver split wide to the left. You know, with three tight ends in the game, and they were just content on trying to establish the run. And I guess they were just trying to shorten the game and run some clock. But you know, we were in our typical, you know, uh, I guess you would say our our three three five formation, and. Um, you know, we had one linebacker at the line of scrimmage to to set the edge, and you know, we would sit there and 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 stop their run man on man. They just they weren't getting these combo blocks, and they weren't able to get any push off the line of scrimmage. And then they would come up in a third and five or third and seven, and we would bring Tony Brown in the game, and we would put him on the slot receiver because then they would go three wides because now it's third and five. And so Tony would come in to cover the slot and Minka would line up like three yards behind the line of scrimmage at a linebacker position. Uh, most of the time, sometimes it would be Rashawn Evans, but most of the time it was, was Minka. And we would literally sit there and, and just drop back in coverage and not really blitz them. Like you're talking about, we didn't blitz him a lot in the ball game, a couple right. times, but not a lot. Not a lot. And we would just literally be able to get pressure on him with four down linemen. And we would be able to drop seven, and he just couldn't go anywhere with the ball. Right. Well, yeah. If you could get pressure with four, and 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 especially if they're not sending that many people out on the routes, then it, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, right? <clears throat> no, it is. There was there was one play I, I did want to point out. I can't remember the the down and distance, but you know, welcome back, Rashawn Evans. There was there was one play where or two plays in a row that he made. One particular play. Um, you know, he just came in and, and, you know, basically closed up the hole and, and, you know, stopped the guy at the line of scrimmage on a running play. And then the very next play, he was in his middle linebacker position and we were just had four guys rushing the quarterback and he just delayed for a second. 
And then he decided to take off and go after Kyle Shermer and literally just pummeled him. But just the zero to 60 seconds, like how quickly he covered that five yards of ground before he just launched himself like a missile. We, we don't have that in the other guys that are linebackers for us. It just kind of looked like something you would see C.J. Mosley do. And we, right. you and I talked about this a couple of years ago when we said who's going to be the guy to replace C.J. Mosley, and it's you know hilarious what his number is. I think for, for this team to be successful, they're going to have to have Rashawn Evans healthy. I mean, yeah. he just – what he brings to the table is a different skill set versus any of these other linebackers. Take nothing away from the rest of them, but nobody else kind of has what he can bring to the table. Yeah, it's almost it's, – it's kind of funny, right? We've had years before where – uh, the you know a star defensive player is going to go down and miss a couple weeks and and we can't sleep at night because of it and so that's probably an overreaction one direction and then we we lose five linebackers and 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 fans get upset that you know the Colorado State scores an extra touchdown and that's probably unreasonable on the other end of the spectrum. And so somewhere in there is a balance and somewhere in there says, look, they're not, yeah, there's a lot of five-star talent, but there is, you know, elite talent, even amongst those five stars. And Evans is an example of that. And so him, him being back is not just a name, a number, a player, but there's some elite athleticism at the position that is now back. Uh, and, and I think, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of landing in the same place you are. Him being back is is going to pay material dividends to this defense as as the season progresses. No, I agree. And you know, I was counting up the number of plays. They only had thirty eight plays on offense, and so, like you said, there's not a you know it was real easy to keep these guys fresh. Um, it was great to see Deron Payne uh, play so little in the second half. Yes, I don't remember when he came out, but we're obviously going to need this guy fresh later. Uh, it was nice to see him out of the game for for most of those thirty eight plays. You know, I didn't see. Uh, did you see Mika Brown much in the game? I, did I didn't. Not. I didn't see him much in there. But you know, there was one place so I was just curious about that because I, I didn't notice him in the game very much. Which was, you know, maybe just because of the other guys were back. You know, from yeah. injuries, right? I, yeah, but, I think that has something to do with it. Now, no, I did see. Uh, Josh McMillan in there, number four. See, now see, I knew I should have just kept talking so you couldn't say that. <laughs> so, so, so there was one play late in the game where Josh McMillan is in there and he is on the left edge and he's going against the right tackle and the right tackle is way bigger than he is and it's a running play and he just steps up and chucks this guy and just sets the edge, knocks him back and basically just literally just forces the running back to, you know, to come back inside on the play. And, you know, he's only 6'3", 237 pounds, but obviously, you know, he's built differently than most 237-pound guys are. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, you're way down the depth chart, and and you're coming in at the end of this game, and this right tackle's tired as he – or, excuse me, the right tackle shouldn't be tired because they've only run 30-something right. plays. He just literally just whooped this right tackle on this one play. Granted, it's just one play, but the guy he was hitting was, you know, pushing 300 pounds, much bigger than he was. And um, 
just, just, you know, just a embarrassment of riches, man. Just, it just, yeah. it just jumped out at me to have this seventh or eighth person on the linebacker depth chart, you know, come in and be able to do what he does on a play versus what we've seen with our depth of this team when Saban first got here. Right. I mean, that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And, and, and I, I don't know why exactly I need to go back and maybe read some of those articles, but, but, um, for whatever reason during the recruiting process, I just latched on to, you know, McMillan. And I said, this is a guy we've got to have, this guy is it. Uh, and, um, I, I don't know. I had visions of Hightower or something and, uh, and he had some injury and, and, and hasn't had the career certainly that I thought he would, but I'm hoping he's, he's a late bloomer is, is what I'm hoping. And, um, and he's been in the program for three years. Right. right. And so those are the kind of guys, just like Mika Brown, those are the guy that kind of guys that can, that can come on a scene and, and people have forgotten who they are and, and they can be a valuable contributor, but you know, guys like bugs and and you know guys like Raquan Davis and and guys like Josh Frazier who who made the most you know there was one time he blew up the center uh big time you know and 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 Williams I mean you know we're going to need these guys depth wise and and I mean this was you know even though they only ran 38 plays man you know I wish I'd have done a head count as to how many defensive guys got snaps in those 38 carries uh, 38 plays yep Give me your uh, give me your mini uh, game ball on defense, unless you have something else. Okay, so um, you know you're going to criticize this, but uh, in the in the theme of what I did for Gary Danielson, um, my mini game ball on defense is going to go to Paul Feinbaum, and um, it's because on his game day show he turned to the Vandy fans and he said, "You know, if you're so smart, why do you think you have a chance to beat Alabama?" And I just thought that was hilarious. So he's getting my mini game ball now. So you don't criticize my mini game ball too much. I will probably say collectively, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that that we could give balls to here as far as how they played. Um, you know, so I'm probably gonna you know give another mini game ball uh, to Mac Wilson. Um, you know, why guys like McMillan, you know, had a few big plays. You know, Mac Wilson, Mac Wilson, you know, right this second. He's made a lot of ground in two weeks of football. Yes. A lot of ground. And, um, you know, going in, going into the season, um, you know, I, I expected to see, you know, I, I expected to see a, a, a couple different young linebackers, you know, who would, who would step up and, and seize the opportunity. And when, you know, we, we've spoke of, you know, we've spoke of another one who, who has not, you know, currently, you know whether it's due to injury or whatever, but but Mac Wilson has has absolutely, um, you know, he flashed again and made some big plays, and and I'm just going to tell you right now, he just reminds me of Dante Hightower. Yeah, he reminds me of a young Dante Hightower right now. I think Mac Wilson is going to be a star, and I think Dylan Moses is as well, and so it's it's exciting to have. I mean, they're out there contributing you know, today, but they're, they're tomorrow's superstar at the position. So I, that's, that's, you know, again, the kids are going to be all right. Right. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, who, who do you give yours to? I'm giving mine to, and like you said, there's a lot of balls that could be given out on, on the defensive side, but uh, I'm going to Isaiah bugs. You know, he had three tackles. Um, hey, and it was hard to get more than, 
it was hard to get more than one or two. Right. Not a lot of tackles to go around. Uh, and uh, he mustered three of them. Uh, he also started. And so uh, he started the first game uh, of the season due to, you know, a little injury with uh, Raquan. But uh, he, he's, he is uh, steady in the rotation. Uh, you know, he started now two of the games. And um, this is a guy that uh, – and, and he's a guy that I sort of envisioned – uh, us having an immediate need for him to step in and be able to play if, you know, if he could sort of live up to the challenge. Uh, and I'm excited to see him do that, and I think he's going to continue to get better as well. No, that is awesome. And, you know, just for the listeners, the other player that I was speaking of is Ben Davis. You know, Ben yeah. Davis has obviously been thrust into a, you know, to a new position, uh, but both he and Wilson were guys that, that we were looking forward to, to watching here. And um, are you surprised that you didn't see Davis? Yes. I mean, you know, nothing against all these other guys that that got opportunities to play, um, but there there just must be something else there. Yeah, and it's hard on, you know, and we've talked about this, right? You know, I like watching TV games because you can get things that you can't get in the stands. I like being in the stands because you can get things that you can't get on TV. And so one of the things that, that I just – Imminently frustrating watching TV is to is getting the player rotations, you know, counting the secondary, uh, and so you know not being able to see, uh, you know, Ben if he if he did rotate in, it it may not have been called out and you wouldn't have known it, but in the stands you would have caught it. And a player like Christopher Allen, I did not see him, but I have to think that he played, and so yeah he did he did but it was yeah. it was it was harder to to he came in a lot of times on third downs um but no he's a great example of somebody you know Ben Davis got moved outside and so you look at the situation and you've got you know you've got other freshmen ahead of him on the depth chart currently and you just wonder is there something about grasping the the defense is there is there injuries that hasn't been disclosed you know, I'm glad to see guys like Dylan Moses and Chris Allen and and some of these other young guys, but I'm just surprised we haven't seen Ben. Yeah, I am too. And 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 throw a McMillan in there, right? Here's a guy that's that uh, you know has has sort of been Biden this time, and you know, pres- and and has been passed by a, a lot of guys as well. And so you think, well, where does Ben sort of fit into that? Uh, you know, you could reason that well, he he hasn't passed McMillan yet, and so uh, right. You know, still rooting for him to have a big career and, you know, still predicting it. Just, yeah, this is a game where you would think, well, we're not holding a red shirt on him. So, you know, give him some run. So I don't know what the reason is. It does make you wonder if there's not an injury uh, there in there somewhere. Be, but Because we played so many other guys. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, we're playing, yeah. we're playing all these guys, Mosley, McMillan, and all these other guys, and just, you know, just makes you wonder. So, yeah, it does. It does. Who do you That's give true. your mini game ball to? Uh, no, I went to, I went Isaiah Bugs. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I do think the fact that, that, you know, him being able to contribute is going to be critical depth wise, just due to the guys that we've lost, but definitely having these three linebackers back, you could feel the difference in this ball game you really can. Uh, for the, for them to be back. Uh, talk to me about special teams. You know, what, was there a play that jumped out at you? Uh, as far as a play made in particular, what what kind of jumped out at you from special teams? You know, not a whole lot. Uh, you know, Trayvon looked all right. I think he dropped one. 
Um, and what do you think? What do you think about that though? Because on the play where he on the play where he muffed it very quickly, he made another one of those not really good fair catch signs. Like yeah. it's, it's a it's a half ass fair catch sign, right? And you know you've you've talked about your boy Rugs, and you've talked about you know getting him some run in there, and and he got some run. You know, not too long after that, we didn't see marks that I'm aware of, but we saw Rugs. Mm-hmm. And so. What do you think about the fact, you know, Ruggs is listed behind Marks on the depth chart, you know, at both of those specialist positions, but yet on kickoff return, it was Ruggs and Diggs. And when Diggs comes out at punt return, it's Ruggs. Are you surprised you didn't see Marks? No, I'm not. I I, I was not that impressed with Marks last year. And I know I know he had a return. I think it was on a punt. I think he had a punt return for a touchdown. And so it's it, that sounds harsh for me to say that, but he's he's so small and slight. I mean, I like him as a as a weapon in unique situations, uh, but we've just got so many. Probably would have thought that he would have gotten a punt or an opportunity, uh, but I think Rugs is the future there. Uh, I really do. And um, I think Trayvon is going to go on at, at corner and and not be a kick returner next year. And so I think Ruggs is is the future of the at the position. And so we wanted to get him some more reps and and uh, some more comfort in the position. But I tell you, if Trayvon drops, uh, I started to say, man, that know, had to, another yeah. one or two and loses one. You can't do that, man. I mean, he he just took his eye off that ball, and that's a biggie for Saban. That's a big deal. The number one rule, right? Possess the ball. Possess the ball. And, um, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's, it's you know. <laughs> That's what he cares about. Yeah, what what's cares the option? About. What's the alternative, right? And so, uh, yeah, if he drops him another one, uh, and especially if, if we don't recover, uh, we may see rugs in there sooner than later. And, and I'm not rooting for any of that. I just, I, I just think that – I think there's a progression, and the progression will be, you know, Trayvon goes back and starts at corner – next season, and then Ruggs is, is the full-time partner returner for the re- his remaining duration uh, at Alabama. Okay. Well, tell me about uh, tell me about this game coming up against Ole Miss. Uh, obviously, due to, you know, off-season uh, developments, uh, this game doesn't have quite the same muster uh, that it's had for the past several years. Um, you know, what, what do you expect to, to occur – uh, you know, with an interim head coach and, you know, what, what Ole Miss is currently dealing with? Yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, – I think Ole Miss is going to – is you know, this Alabama team is awake and and they're ready. I think there's still some some muscle memory uh, on the two losses to, uh, to Ole Miss. And I think the fan base is going gonna, is gonna to be loud and, and probably loaded uh, Saturday night. And that's, a, that's sort of a late kick. Uh, Tuscaloosa time, but uh, I think it's going to be a loud, packed house. Uh, so you don't think the bye week is going to help Ole Miss is what you're saying? You know, they might come out with with some lead in their tank, but I, I think I think they lose that early. You know, they are, and I'm and I'm kind of mesmerized by this. They are 28 point dogs, and uh, and and at the same time. Their their quarterback averages over 400 yards passing a game, and I and, and I know you know you got to watch out for stats, right? And we've learned that against Vanderbilt, and so Vanderbilt's defense wasn't nearly uh, what you know they would have led you to believe. Yep. And so is the same thing true in reverse here? 
is the quarterback not that good and they've just played, you know, weak, uh, you know, weak sisters, or does he have some talent? And I, I don't, I mean, he's got some talent, but you know, is he 400 yards a game good or has he just been padding stats? I don't know, but I, but I, as I continue to look at the stats and I'm going to, here's, here's sort of my prop bet, right? They've been averaging over 400 yards passing. They've been averaging under 70 yards rushing. And so my prop bet is, does he make it out of Tuscaloosa alive? You know, I, I think he does. And I, and I think that, you know, even though the head coach is no longer there, um, this rivalry has gotten to be a pretty big deal. You know, th- this game might, you know, th- this, ga- this game is getting up there with, with Tennessee and Auburn. Okay, it's it's not it's not quite there yet, um, but but these these two teams are are in close proximity to each other. You know, Ole Miss, th- this is their season, right? I mean, the last couple of years playing us has been their season, and I think their bye week comes at a good time uh, for them to throw the kitchen sink at us. And uh, I don't think he's going to throw for four hundred yards, uh, but I think that you know Shea Patterson's going to try to air the ball out forty. I think he's going to try to drop back forty five to fifty times if they have that many plays on offense. And I think they're going to try to let it loose. They have nothing to lose. Uh, they're going to have some gimmick plays. They're going to pull out the kitchen sink and 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 throw everything at us they can because they have you know why not right. And so I I see this you know unlike the last couple of years uh, where the the game has you know the score has not always turned out the way we wanted it to. You know I see this being a final score uh, of probably forty eight to seventeen. Okay. I think we turn it on at the end and, and put them away because of the bad blood. Uh, but I do see them putting 17 points up on us. Okay. I've got 34-14. So I've got Alabama not scoring as many points. But, um, but still, I, that's I, a 20-point. I, 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 definitely, I definitely think I, – I think we are going to try to run up the score if we can. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Saban doesn't – that's not his M.O., but I think I, I do think that there's a little payback here that 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 he wants to exert on this team, right? Uh, of 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 you know of most teams on the schedule. Well, I think you know I think the formula and and you know not not to say that we're going to have a repeat of the Vanderbilt game, but the formula is right there. If the offensive line says give us this game too, put this game on our shoulders, um, you know, like last week, and and distribute you know distribute the ball you know four or five you know, maybe not six, but, you know, four or five running backs, um, you know, and you talk about milking the clock and, and owning time of possession. Yeah, I think there might be something. I think we could we could really, really sort of beat them down on defense and then force them into desperation on offense. And if he starts chunking the ball, uh, you get a couple of picks. Um, it can get – I think it can get away from them quick. And I don't know – I'm rethinking my, my position now – if it starts to get away from them, I don't know that they have anything that they can sort of rely on to sort of slow down and and, to, and take a breath. I think if it starts to get away from them, it gets away from them fast. Yes, so, I would agree with that. So interesting, interesting. All right, all right. Hey, I want to give a uh, I want to give a shout out. We've um, we got uh, another five star review this week, and I just love getting these and, and calling them out. This is. Um, this is Hemo0491. 
Uh, and it's just, you know, simple, straight to the point, And I love it. Fantastic podcast, both both entertaining and informative. I think that's great. I love to get these. Uh, uh, and I know we both love to get these. And I just want to I want to put the call out. These help us. These reviews help us rank in iTunes where people can find us. And, and I just went to, to pull this up to, to see if we had any reviews before we started recording. And we've moved up a spot in iTunes of all of the college football podcast. This is amazing, Tom. Out of all of the poly, college football podcasts, we're number 11. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, man, that is awesome. That we is appre- awesome. We, we appreciate the feedback and and it helps us get the word out to, to other listeners. And so please feel free to to go on and, and give us your review and, and tell us what you think and, and uh, tell us what you like or tell us what you don't just, you know, or what you don't like. And yeah, and, uh, we definitely want to hear that. Absolutely. We're sitting at 89 reviews right now and I would love to get a push to, to get to a hundred and see if we can't crop the uh, crack the, uh, the top 10. So that would be uh, that would be fantastic. So that's a call to action for uh, all the listeners out there who, have not yet given us a review on iTunes. Uh, we'd so greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I'm looking forward to uh, getting together and uh, watching the watching this. Uh, it sounds like uh, we're both in agreement. We're we're going to lay it on uh, Ole Miss. Do you think um, Do you think they're going to run their run their chops any uh, this week, or they're going to keep that pie hole shut? No, I think after this last performance in Nashville. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the interim coach is going to let anybody really pop off. I think all the chatty Cathy's on the on our schedule just kind of took note, right? <laughs> yes. I don't <laughs> think there will be any more nose guards saying anything else for the remainder of the season. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Well, with that, we're going to sign off as well. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, coach? Of course, Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.